watching certain Matt Sundin interviews, and I just thought like a piece of his forehead would just start peeling <laughs> off, like eventually. Like just how Alfred's nose is always like it looks yeah. like he just ran like ten wind sprints. Well, I, I think I wrote this once, but when he was like the captain of the national team and he had a shaved head. All the Swedish guys, Alfredson included, had a shaved head, right? Like, yeah. you had to do it. It was yeah. his style at the time. And as soon as Sundin retired, they just, like, grew it out, right? Like, Sundin was a Swedish Nixon. And as soon as he was gone, the rest of the guys were like, Thank God, we can finally grow our hair out. We can have opinions. You dyed it in red. Remember Todd White. Carlson eats last night It doesn't matter if you ask It's the Chet and Luke Podcast Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode Lalim of the Chet Sellers and Luke Peristi Podcast. I'm Luke, and I'm joined, as always, by the man who thinks that flu shots lead to flu goals... It's Chet Sellers. How you doing, man? Pleasure to be here. Do you or do you not love the show? I love the show. Glad you- to hear it. I'm also pleased to announce that... Wait, we what? Are, I'm pleased to announce that we are also joined by the Mozart of the mic, the Tolstoy of takes, Hockey's Hemingway, a.k.a. Narkstone, <laughs> a.k.a. Alexei Drovolev, a.k.a. Hustlin Fedotenko, a.k.a. Chronic the Hedgehog, a.k.a. Bong Oliver... A.K.A. Alanis Percocet, A.K.A. Perp Cobain, A.K.A. at Pontiflex, official Twitter account of Dope Francis and the Vapacy, A.K.A. Brexit at Tiffany's, A.K.A. the Ayatollah Bromini, A.K.A. Steely Daniel Alfredson, A.K.A. Darth Hader. Everyone give it up for James from WelcomeToYourCarlsonYears.com. Thank you. Like the show. Great to be here. I don't, wow. know, I don't know why you handed me that long list of titles for you that you made up yourself. Can but I? I hope I delivered that. Probably. I don't know why you read half of it. Can but... I? I'm. I'm. Look, I'm very happy James is here. I'm always pleased to do a podcast with him. Can I just say, for the record, I feel like every time you and I are having problems, rather than talk through them, you just want to bring someone else into the mix to spice things up. <laughs> and frankly, it's not fair to James. James wants to be here. Like James was James was like, "Yo, I listened to the podcast. Is everything okay? I can come on and help." And now he's here. I think it's very kind of him. My therapist has told me to take these kind of discussions off the table. So what do you guys want to talk about? Um, I'm not sure if you know about the local hockey team. I don't know. They're just this little group. Maybe you've heard of them. They're called the Ottawa 67s. Yeah, give it up. No, <laughs> 19 game losing streak, I think, <laughs> according to the paper. I'm just kidding. I'm talking about the Nepean Raiders. The Kanata Blazers? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Stittsville Rams? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm talking about the Ottawa Senators, who blessedly remain in a playoff spot at this point in mid-January, despite the fact that they've been riding Mike Condon like a rented mule. Well, what's great is that when, you know, the apocalypse comes, which it will in the next, I would say, six to eight months. <laughs> Based on nothing. Just a hunch. Just a hunch. Just a hunch. Two just, years, Max. Just, two years. just when, when the ICBMs fall and all of this is reduced to a clicking radioactive wasteland, uh, where nothing but cockroaches are able to survive, the only announcement at that point will be 
and Mike Condon starts for the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> I'm trying to like figure out what would happen if someone explained to, like the coming Sens season to me, like in August, and like, okay, here's what's gonna happen: the Sens are going to trade for Mike Condon. And I'd immediately lose it. <laughs> and then they'd say, and then they're going to play him for 20 straight games without a break. And, and you'll I'd... be happy about it. <laughs> right. Do you Do you even know who the backup to Mike Condon is right now? I think it's... Do they? Chris Drieger? I think it is. It this was, week it's Chris Drieger. It was yeah. Matt O'Connor for a while, yeah. but that was basically like the who holds the clipboard for like it, Brett Favre yeah, It could have been you for all I care. It might have been, right? <laughs> The Montreal Canadiens could put up 17 on Mike Conn tonight, and Matt O'Connor is not going to see a single second of NHL time. So what I love is that Craig Anderson obviously had to deal with, you know, the situation with his family, and the team was very accommodating about that. And then Andrew Hammond pulled his groin, right? So he's been out for basically most of the year. And I remember Pierre Dorian traded a fifth-round pick to get Mike Condon. Which is basically like, you know, trading nothing. It's it's literally the hockey equivalent of whatever is barely more than the Senators got from Alexei Kovalev is what they traded for Mike Condon. Yeah. And people are like, oh, I don't know, fifth round pick, you know, that's... That could be Mike Condon. The Hoffman. Sens don't realize the value of a fifth round pick. And All they want is, like, I can't believe they spent that pick on a goalie who's just kept them afloat miraculously. And whatever else happens with this season, whether the Senators succeed or fail or make the playoffs or don't, I think given that Mike Condon has started 20 straight games for your Ottawa Senators, the fifth round pick for Mike Condon trade will go down as like the story of this year, right? Like that is, that has saved the season because if it had been, I know we had 20 games or 23 games of Andrew Hammond a couple years ago, and apparently that worked out pretty well. But I can tell you if it was Chris Drieger or Matt O'Connor for 20 games in a row, like it would not be, the Senators would not be in a playoff spot right now and the only thing that surprises me is that Mike Condon does not currently have like some kind of burger themed nickname or really any kind of like attention the way Andrew Hammond got a couple years ago it is extremely weird because I think the biggest problem there is that there is no like play on words that you can make with the name Condon well that's what that's the problem right I mean it's a it's a tough name to kind of make jokes about yeah um like Mike Condon Mike Condon. His initials are MC. Maybe we could do something with that. Yeah. MC goalie. MC hammered the puck into the uh, crowd (laughs) in the last two minutes of the game. You knew he was. Yo, this is the Mike Condon difference. You knew he wasn't going to give up a goal after doing that against Columbus when he put the puck over the glass. I don't know. There's something about this guy. Maybe that's, this is that's for real. Confidence. This is the real deal. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> Mike Condon is no fluke. Yeah, it's no fluke. This looks real. That was the confidence that your opponent's leading scorer being Cam Atkinson gives. I feel like I've watched games, though, for the last couple of seasons where you'd watch the first goal go in. And I'm a, I would classify myself as more of an optimistic fan because why not? <laughs> like, why would I go into the game saying we're going to lose? But yeah, it let in the first goal of the game. Like, yeah, they're not going to win this game. Like, you could just tell right away. And I've got, I've been through enough system therapy re-education where Mike Condon puts it over the glass with, like, a couple of minutes to go after, no, while they were on a penalty kill. Yeah, to to bring up a five-on-three for, like, seven hours. And I was like, (laughs) he's going to make up for this. He's going to make up for this. And I thought, 
wow, this team's kind of made some steps where they have a backup goaltender in net. And I'm like, yeah, we got this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, gone are the Alex Ald schedule losses of yesteryear. But Condon also put up like 42 saves in that shutout against like basically. It's brilliant. The Blue was, Jackets have the best record in hockey, do they not? They're, they're very close. Yeah. Anymore, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're like close enough. They're just surface actually, of the sun hot, right. to be sure. So, I mean, he did a great job. He, you know, that was a, a bad mistake, but the team made up for it. Like, one thing I will say about Mike Condon is that if a guy has the puck behind the net and he's going from one side to the other, I'm not sort of like, wraparound goal. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. this is happening. And I love Craig Anderson, but it's just sort of like, you know, Mike Condon seems to be like a confident goaltender in whom I have confidence. I'm, like, weirdly not sold because I'm a giant nerd, so I check the spreadsheets. And I'm like, over the course of his career, Mike Condon has negative 7.76 goals saved against average. On the other hand, I also like <laughs> watch Mike Condon, and I'm kind of like, yo, if like you're the type of person who doesn't look at spreadsheets and you're starting to believe in Mike Condon, I can't say I blame okay, you. Okay, but here's the thing. The here's why. masterful. <laughs> but here's why that trade was genius, right? Because it's a, it's a temporary fix for the Senators, mm-hmm. but they picked up a guy who's a UFA at the end of the year, mm-hmm who has everything to play for, who could potentially get picked up by the Vegas Golden Knights, mm-hmm. right, and sign a five-year, $35 million contract with them, right? Like, that's the kind of guy, you, if you need to fill a hole, you want the guy who has every incentive to play for, you know, as much money as he can next year, knowing that it's probably going to be Craig Anderson coming back for the Sens. So why not get a Mike Condon? Like, it's a, it's a genius move. I do also like the fact that there's this kind of, like, added twist of a knife against the Habs. You're like, we're going to take your cast-off goaltender who's not Carey Price, and we're going to make him good in a way that you could never <laughs> hope to do. <laughs> can I can I hijack your podcast to put a question out? Yeah. Cool. Where are you at with... Pirate Radio! <laughs> uh, what would be your preference... Mike Condon or Andrew Hammond? Because they're kind of on similar trajectories, if you think about it. Well, Mike Condon has more experience than Hammond did when he came up, right? Because Condon had already played basically a season with the Habs. A terrible season, too. (laughs) Well, he started out well, right? And Uh, then he had to play 60 games, and it didn't work out that well. Mm. He uh, played so bad that P.K. Subban got traded. That's how bad Mike yo. Condon was. <laughs> oh, bless you, Mike Condon. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. That's low-key leadership right there. But I would assume that um, they will probably stick with Hammond because I don't think they've already put him on waivers and nobody took him. So yeah. I don't think they're getting rid of him. I don't think he's getting taken in the expansion draft. I don't think he has any trade value. So I would imagine they will probably just go with Hammond and Anderson again next year. I thought Hammond looked bad early this season. I, I think I heard Dorian on the radio the other day, PR Dorian, saying he looked brilliant in the first period against the Islanders that he got injured in. I was like, what? I don't even know what to take out of that. Like, that's okay. Like, that's kind of like your classic uh, Pascal Leclerc brilliant in 50 save 6-5 loss to Pittsburgh or whatever. I, of I today. don't think he looked too bad when he was healthy this year. Like he I was think he looked good. No, but the thing is is that like he the he's not amazing, but you can and you can sort of say okay, well, I don't know, we need to pay a million dollars a year for Andrew Hammond when mm-hmm. 
any backup goalie could give you basically the same performance. Yeah. Well, that's what he is, though. It's like we're talking like it's like is Andrew Hammond backup goalie enough to be the backup goalie? Well, and the answer is probably. Which is well, kind of my question. Like you know, they're both backup goaltenders, and as much as I thought the Hamburglar stuff was good for the culture, I was relieved at the end of it. It was like so we all know this guy's still just a backup goalie, <laughs> though, right? Like that's Roman Czechnotic. Look at some of his numbers that he put up. Very incredible and like he sells real estate in you know slovenia now (laughs) (laughs) but this is the thing when he went on his like 20 out of 23 games run like he won the games but you know anybody that was like you know into goaltending you know strategy and technique was like this guy's a mess. Yeah, like this, he's this all guy, over the this place. guy was doing a snow angel, and then Sidney Crosby hit him with the puck. Doing like, a snow <laughs> angel, he was doing a Chris angel. He was doing it with smoke and mirrors, keeping those pucks out. He was yeah. being a mentalist, keeping those pucks out. You know. And yeah, if 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 they started the season next year and it was uh, Anderson Hammond combo, I lost a little bit of faith in Hammond this year. But you know, when we have this starting goalie who kind of insists on getting 60 to 70 games a year. It's not the biggest deal to have Hammond put up a 5-7 and seven record outside of that. The concern under the surface is that Anderson, I think, in April turns 47 years old. I think that's right. Is that good? <laughs> but to be fair, he did not play a lot in his 20s. And he's not played a lot this year. So for everybody who says, Building oh, value. everybody who says, oh, he's going to come back. He's going to have, you know, couch legs and he's going to take some while to get into shape. It's like, no, that's, you know, miles that are being taken off the odometer. Like he's got that will let him play into his year 39 age 40 season. It's like yeah, how I bought my car. Anderson, for some... <laughs> we're saving some Anderson for later. Exactly. Yeah. It's like how I bought my car from someone in Vancouver. So it's like it's a young 93. <laughs> Very little salt on those roads. Very little. I think you have to watch Craig Anderson take his kids to the park and see how long it takes him to get tired of playing with them. Mm. (laughs) Have you ever played with a three-year-old? That really shows you how old you are. You have to do all of it like on all fours and like they never get tired. It's horrible. (laughs) Well, there you go. I'm available for babysitting. (laughs) So this has been great. We've we've we coming so, back after five weeks, and we're starting it off with like twenty minutes of goalie talk. So uh, Andrew Hammond, so backup goaltenders. Yeah, are we're talking. It's again. like it's like we're having a bit. We're going deep on Andrew Hammond, who's not played in three months. <laughs> we're back. So it is mid January. Mm-hmm. The Senators are holding on to second place in the Atlantic Division, uh, oh, and they've world. got. Several games in hand on pretty much everybody else in the Atlantic Division, other than Toronto, who has also had their bye week. This is a playoff team, correct? Only in the sense that they are in a playoff spot and are likely to make the playoffs. Well, I think this is funny. (laughs) Never has there been a team that, that, like, we are past the halfway point in the season, and the Sens have relinquished their playoff spot for, what, one day? Like, how long were they not in that spot for? It was about and a couple of days. And even their own yeah. fans are like, ah, I'm not into this. <laughs> no, but like, I think not 100% predictive, but statistically, if you're in a playoff spot at U.S. Thanksgiving, you're most likely going to be in a playoff spot at the end of the year, which yeah, the Senators... Yeah, it's going to be like 70%. Yeah, like. which the Senators were comfortably. But we're, we're taping this on Saturday. Mm-hmm. 
they have, before the game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, the team that is surging and cannot possibly fall out of a playoff spot at this point, given their momentum, uh, and the fact that Frank Corrado is on their team. <laughs> Definitely not a team that's been riding unsustainable goaltending and, like, a Suspicious lack of injuries. No, definitely not a team that has been unusually healthy and could not possibly fall out of a playoff spot at this point. The Sens, despite having lost to that Leafs team last weekend and playing them again tonight, have convincingly won road games against both the Blues and the Blue Jackets over this past week. Can the Sens play the best teams in the league on the road every night? (laughs) (laughs) I watched those. Like, I I tuned into the Blue Jackets game the other night. Like, all right, the Flu's running through this team. They're playing the Blue Jackets in their own building. I got a good feeling about this. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like, the, the the team got stricken with the flu, and it was like the flu is ravaging the senator's dressing room. Mark Borvietsky may be out. It's like what? ravaging, <laughs> you say. Like, the flu is helping this team. <laughs> you know? Also, shout out to Ryan Dezingle, if I can. I love you, boo. We did it. But uh, he looked blazed for the first period of that game. I remember he got the puck on his stick and looked like me. (laughs) And then he scored a goal later in the game. He gave an interview at the first intermission that was like, he didn't even know if that was happening. I could be on TV, so I'm going to keep it on together, but I'm not sure. My my point is, the Senators have been playing well this week on the road. Uh, They seem to have gotten it back after a couple of tough games around the holidays. They don't have to play the Capitals for a little while. You know, I'm feeling good about a playoff spot. But are you sure they can win against the best team in the NHL, the Toronto Maple Leafs? (laughs) (laughs) What I feel like with the Toronto Maple Leafs is that they have had... Look, we can't put this out of our heads. They are going to be a good team, right? We're going to have to deal with that. We're going to have to deal with the sports writers that are talking about them like they're the only hockey team in hockey. The Leafs are the global warming... Of the NHL, it's going to happen eventually. Right, exactly. The Leafs are the like sea level that is just starting to work its way up the pier. You cannot ignore that. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I'm just getting something in on my smartphone here that a uh, Austin Matthews the size of Texas has just broken off Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm just checking my Twitter. It turns out Pierre Lebrun is very excited about this development. Um, like, we, that's going to happen, right? Like, we accept that. And even at the Leafs game last weekend, I think I was telling you this before we started taping, Leafs fans were very, very, very confident about being two points out of a playoff spot in mid-January. Like, this was God's plan Amazing. for them. So they're, they'll get there. I get that. I don't think they're there yet. And I think a brief surge in January followed by, you know, a series of injuries or statistical, you know, normalization is probably going to result in them ending outside of the playoffs and getting a number 12 pick, which they'll say is the a huge waste of time, even though that's been the pick the Senators have had for, you know, I feel like five of the last six years. Um, I'm not super worried about the Toronto Maple Leafs as much as I am. Uh, excited to defeat them uh, tonight on Saturday. So can we talk Senators trades a little bit? Because I, I, you know, now that unfortunately Clark MacArthur's out for the year and perhaps his career, but certainly at least for the year, um, there's been some talk, okay, well, the Senators now are going to look to, you know, find somebody to plug into their top six. You know who's on waivers today? (laughs) I I, I do know this. I don't, I don't. Eric Condra. Yeah. (laughs) 
Don't tell me that oh, Eric man. Condra couldn't plug directly into this bottom <laughs> six, though. If Tom Con- Pyatt can do it, anyone right? can do it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Say it with the Stallone voice. <laughs> if you single can do it, anyone can do it. Tell me that you wouldn't like take Eric Condra on a line with Tom Pyatt in a minute, though. Yo, Who imagine this. No imagine that? this. Eric Condra paired with the system. <laughs> Whoa! It's a game of duos, right? You get you get him on a line with the system. Maybe scratch Chris Neal for the rest of the season. Can we talk about that, please? Let's talk about Chris Neal. Let's just let let's just keep moving through topics. <laughs> I'm sorry. Am, I, am I messing up your flow? <laughs> Chris Neal played his thousand. We were going to talk about trades. Let's get back to that. No, no, no. Chris Neal trades. played his thousandth game this year. He has how many points? Two. Two. One goal and one assist, a.k.a. Mark Borowiecki's stat line. Fair enough. <laughs> Not a huge scorer throughout his career. Probably more than a two-point-a-year scorer. Yeah, he's usually good for like a seven goals. Some of those goals actually important goals, you know? Now, I have always said that if Chris Neal wants to come back and play next year, the Senators will re-sign him. Oh, yeah. And I still believe that. But what does... Chris Neal come back for? What does he still want to do on this team? Like, what? what is, at 37, what is left to accomplish for Chris Neal? Chris Neal is going to come back because he needs a new deck on his cottage, <laughs> and, like, those contractors will not pay themselves. Fair enough, but here's my counter-argument to that. If Chris Neal needs a supplementary source of income, he can still do it as an Ottawa Senators legend, endorsing yeah. products in this area after his retirement. And I would suggest to you, sir, that if you're not ready for the... You know, you, we always like to joke about the Julia Robillard commercials about how hearing is believing. Get the, ready. The only center for Bobby Ryan is a Robillard hearing center. Get Dot ready com. after I'm choosing to move past that. Get ready after Chris Neal retires for the Chris Neal reverse mortgage commercials oh. where he shows up and he's like, do you own your home? Hey, do you, uh, do you like own your home, eh? <laughs> do you own your home and you find in retirement that you're looking for an extra source of income? Consider a reverse mortgage. <laughs> he's wearing the same suit he's got in the oil changers commercial. And people are like, yeah, I would <laughs> sell my house back to Chris Neal. That makes perfect sense. My kids don't visit me anymore. He's in the commercial, and then he's there to break your kneecaps after you can't make the payments. <laughs> your home sold guaranteed, or I'll beat the tar out of you. He could be our Chuck Woolery. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Ottawa does need a catheter pitchman. <laughs> I have to cut this out. Why? <laughs> Why? This is the best thing we've ever done. I, mean, I even paused to make sure nothing was too <laughs> Right up to catheter pitchman. No, I'm with you, James. It's, I'm keeping that it's in. It's a piece of medical equipment. It's not even as gross as a colostomy bag. <laughs> No offense. Right. Although I feel like if this was, we knew this was going to be Chris Neal's last season, they'd be playing him up in the marketing. Be like, this is your one of your last chances to see Chris Neal play eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, Watch Chris Neal go offside, possibly for the last time. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, shout out to close associate of the system, Guy Boucher. For not really liking Chris Neal's game very much. <laughs> Unlike the coaches of the past that are like, 
Hoffman, I did not like you on that last power play. Let's get Chris Neal out there. It's some jam in there, bud. It's some jam. Lest we forget that before Paul McQuain got fired, he was using Chris Neal as an extra man. And that move has only become more ridiculous. I was at the game under McLean where they, you know, I'll say it, the Sens were not doing well at that stage of the season. But I remember watching a power play with Chris Phillips on the point and I believe Chris Neal in front of the net. And I I had paid money to watch that. (laughs) God bless me. It made you question some of your life decisions. That's diehard fandom right I I will say, I feel like one of the things with Neal in front of the on the power play was that they got him in front of the net, right? Like it was just basically, he's the guy who parks himself in front of the goalie and maybe you deflect a puck off his face into the net. And now I feel like that role is filled by Dion Phaneuf. I was going to say actually Bobby Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing Chris Neal can do that Bobby Ryan can't do for seven times. So so Bobby Ryan, (laughs) when he went on that four goal, like four game goal streak, most of which were like, off his ass or his shoulder yeah. into the net. I was like, oh, those are kind of cheap Bobby Ryan goals. And then I was like, no, actually, there's no cheap Bobby Ryan goals. <laughs> Another person that I've noticed Guy Boucher will put in front of the net is Mark Stone, a.k.a. one of the best garbage goal like dudes we've ever had, it feels like. Like, I remember in the World Juniors, that was his whole thing. He kind of came out of the woodwork where if he got a stick on the puck for, like, a split second in front of the goaltender, it was over. And it took Guy, the system, Boucher to be like, you know, let's get the guy who has incredibly good vision for scooping up, you know, a rebound in front of the net in front of the net when we have a man advantage that's that's the Guy Boucher difference <laughs> do you think that the blue run media holds it against Stone that he was the first NHL player of Easter Island descent and Matthews didn't get that as that uh, <laughs> that plum on his Wikipedia page that's a fair point that's these a- guys have big rectangular heads is what I'm saying <laughs> so rectangular so a while back, we were talking about the Ring of Honor, mm. which uh, the god Brian Murray is going to be inducted into later this year. We also had another significant ceremony in Ottawa over Christmas, which I understand uh, James and Chet both went to. I was there, yeah. Tell me about the Alfredson number retirement. Uh, yeah, it was it was really nice. I th- I thought they did it right. Mm-hmm. For for as boring an interview as, you know, no disrespect to the god Daniel Alfredson is, the guy can give a heck of a speech. Like, you can tell he's gone to a few weddings in his time. Well, I mean, he's the kind of guy who, after a game, will not give any interesting quotes to a, you know, pool reporter. But when he has played for 18 years and is, you know, on the occasion of his retirement, looking back on the scope of his career... He'll drop an S-bomb. You know, he's not afraid to do it. <laughs> the other thing I noticed was uh, Eugene Melnick was not there. He Correct. was tending to his offshore holdings in uh, <laughs> Disputed Zone. He was, he, was, he was floating in his infinity pool not, somewhere below the equator. As far as I remember, not one mention of him during the speech. I like, want to say he, Alfredson said, and thank you to Mr. Melnick, in the way that was like, he didn't then subsequently produce a printed out email from his lapel pocket to explain exactly what he meant. Mm. Allegedly. 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 <laughs> Saw some adults weeping openly. It was nice. Yeah, it was nice. The number 11 had already been retired in our hearts, and it was good to see it happen. Do you remember, though, shortly after he left, and somebody said to, I think it was Melnick, 
are you going to retire Alfredson's number? And he kind of said, oh, well, we'll see. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 I, I honestly, and this might be incredibly cynical of me, but based on the amount of like number 11 Alfredson stuff that seemed to be like flowing out of the Send store, I'm starting to think that the way they sold Monik on it was... Think of the stuff you can sell. They literally just sent a logo to Vistaprint and was like, <laughs> make every piece of corporate junk you can. So there are like Alfredson, like 11 retirement clocks and stationery and pen and pencil sets and golf balls. And it's ridiculous. And Those I don't know sucks. if any of it's selling Yo. or not. <laughs> Those Daniel Alfredson number 11 retirement commemorative steak knives were nice. <laughs> <laughs> Those things were pretty cool. Uh, those things will cut to the heart of the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> and Chad, I think that you and I have been to a few kind of memorable, like big event sends games over the last few years. Right. Like, so th there's three that I can think of. Yeah. I don't know if we went to all of them, but the first one that I went to was his first game back we when he there. played for Detroit. But then you and I went to the game where he came back, he, his one day retirement, yes. where he practiced like with them pregame yeah. against the Islanders, which... <laughs> surprise, surprise, they lost. The worst part of that was watching him do the warm-up, and you were watching that like, oh, Alfie could still totally, like, take Chris Neal's eight minutes, though. Oh, well, I like... remember watching that, and they were doing, like, their, like, um, frog stretches and all of that, and I was like, wow, Daniel Alfredson is retired, and his groin still looks quite a bit looser than Chris Phillips, <laughs> who is playing tonight. And... Shout out to the noticing Daniel Alfredson's groin. Look, the guy the guy had loose hips. That's all I got to say. So we went to the Alfredson number retirement. You know, it only felt right. And it was a boring game. And the Sens lost in overtime. Correct. So I feel like we're getting closer. So when Chris Neal's number 25 is hung in the rafters, <laughs> they're going to be primed so. to win against who would, who Chris Neal's. What number would they, or what what team would they have play against Ottawa when they retire Chris Neal's twenty five <laughs> and his assistant captain A that he wears? Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the only other team he's ever played for, which is like the North Bay Battalion, which yeah. I don't think exists anymore. The Quad City Mallards. <laughs> I will say the Alfredson retirement to me kind of set the bar. Where we were watching it, and I was kind of like, yeah, this is when you retire a jersey. This guy played here for 18 years. He is the franchise. Every yeah. moment that anybody remembers involves Daniel Alfredson in some way or another. Then you're like, oh, also Chris Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like, yeah, it, it's it gets brought up. Like, is there anything that make, reminds you how little history we have to work with when it's brought up legitimately? Like, is it time to consider if, Chris Neal's 25 will be where that's like, he has 100 NHL goals. Yeah. Like, there's different ways to be a good hockey no, like, player. I, I, think, like, I think the closest thing I could come to on, like, the Phillips or Neal retirement as, like, going through other teams or, like, the thirstiest number retirement. And it was, like, Chris Draper for the Red Wings. Mm. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say Ken Danico. <laughs> that one was also pretty thirsty. Did that happen? Actually, top, top thirsty was actually the Minnesota Wild uh, retiring oh, the fans. Number one. Yeah, at least we haven't sunk to that level. Like yeah, that was before their first we game. We could like retire Matt Pumple's number before we ever sunk to the level of the Minnesota Wild. I feel like the Senators Wild. retiring the number one for Ray Emery would be less thirsty <laughs> than the Minnesota Wild got retiring to that the finals, number one. Though you know, got yeah. to filled in for Hasek. <laughs> so, but here's here's my point, which is just that 
you can't rush history, right? Daniel Alfredson is history. He is this team for the first 25 years. It doesn't mean you have to say, oh, we need to have as many retired jerseys yeah. as the Habs or the Leafs. So let's just push Chris Neal or Chris Phillips in there because they're the next best, right? Like, I think you can say, no, you were only 25 years old, which means we have one guy, which is Alfredson. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we have other guys yet. We'll get there. Carlson will get there. Colin White. Colin White. Maybe Mark Stone will get there. Logan Brown. Who knows what color? Who knows what will happen? Philip Schopik. But, but you can kind of cultivate history like a beautiful bonsai tree, but you don't have to rush it, right? So yeah. Alfredson's in and looking at that and saying, okay, this is the bar for a jersey retirement. I was like, I feel like when they do the highlight reel for Chris Phillips, it, like, you're not going to get there. God bless. The important thing is that the Alfredson family is with us forever now. And, like, as much as Detroit wants to say that, you know, they got the Alfredsons for, like, two seasons or something, like, we know, like, Phoenix is still wearing those Carlson jerseys, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still want to re- take this opportunity to renew my vows of, you know, being madly in love with B.B. Alfredson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember you kept shouting Queen. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> Like, you what were the first vision. seven comments on a Beyonce tweet. <laughs> what a vision that woman is. So, as you've already stated, the Senators are going to finish second in the division, which means they're going to be in a playoff spot. Who would you like to see in the playoffs this year? It's not too early because we've already guaranteed they're going to I'm calling it now, Toronto. It. I want Toronto. You are a madman. I'll tell you why. Because basically, they're going to, like, if the Senators are going to finish second or third in the Atlantic... Your first round playoff matchup is either Boston or Toronto. And of the two, I would rather see Toronto because one, I would like to beat Toronto in the playoffs. Even though both Senators and Toronto fans will say, oh, but this isn't like revenge for, you know, four losses in five years. 10, 15 years ago because the teams are completely different. Anyone who says that sides. is completely full of garbage. No, you but anyone, like, sides. Senators, will, <laughs> Senators fans will say, oh, we're, like, avenging the losses of 15 years ago. It's like, well, you're not because nobody who played for any of those teams is still alive. <laughs> but they're the Chris least... Chris Neal, though. Chris Neal is still there. He's the Chris, one guy. Chris Neal was only there at the tail end. In the famous words of The Lonely Island, Still counts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it doesn't count. I'm just saying both Sens and Leafs fans would say it counts, but you're still not beating Gary Roberts. <laughs> you're still not beating Alexi Ponikarovsky. You're still not beating <laughs> Aki Bird. It's true. It's t- it's true. It's too late to dispel the ghost of Alan McCauley. But I would playoffs. still, I would still, even despite that, even if you say beating the Leafs in the playoffs will not avenge any of the demons that the Senators have from 15 years ago, it's still a nice way to take an up-and-coming team and just smash their face in the dirt. Well, also, don't the Leafs this year kind of remind you of, like, upstart sense teams a couple of years ago? So you know who the Leafs remind me of a little bit? is the My team. ex-wife? Well, your ex-wife, <laughs> Sheila. <laughs> Yo, don't bring Sheila into this. You guys are together now, and it's beautiful. I will not have you dragging... Thank you, Luke. Look, what, the reason why James and I are friends is because he wished me and Sheila the best of luck because he knew what she needed. <laughs> um, no, what I was going to say was the least remind me of the 2011-2012 Ottawa Senators. And if you'll recall, that was the year after the quote-unquote rebuild when they traded everybody off and they made it to the playoffs against the Rangers 
in a year that they were supposed to still be terrible, right? Mm -hmm. And still be tanking and still be getting another high draft pick. And Craig Anderson and Eric Carlson and Jason Spezza said, that's not going to happen. We're going to make the playoffs as an eight seed, and we're going to take the Rangers to seven games, right? And everybody now looks back on that and says, that was a huge problem because the, the Senators now thought they were better than they were. And they forgot to continue tanking, continue accumulating draft picks. And that was what resulted in the mediocrity we see today. Right. We, and that, we're not quoting anyone directly from this. I'm not quoting way. anyone directly, but that is exactly what I see the Leafs potentially doing now. It's like, oh, no, we were still supposed to be rebuilding. We're done too soon. We've got Austin Matthews. We squeaked into the playoffs. Now we think we're good and we're not going to keep building. And what I'm hoping is that the Leafs do make the playoffs. They start to think they're better than they are. They get beat by the Senators. And they continue to draft 12th every year and trade for guys like Francois Beauchemin and never get any better. That's what I'm hoping. So, I don't know, getting too much too soon, thinking that you're better than you really are. Is this whole conversation just a metaphor for the podcast? <laughs> That's probably fair. I mean, we've only been doing this for now three years. But yeah, I think we've we've gotten too good too soon in the 40-some <laughs> episodes of this show that we've done. Uh, that's probably true. Well, I mean, we we had to call in a ringer for this week. Uh, <laughs> trade trade deadline acquisition, James. Yeah, where did James uh, go? By the way, he uh, we were uh, just recording this, and now he's disappeared. James had to return to his home planet. Oh, that's a shame. Needed him. Well, but, should, you know, something tells me that he's going to be back on a later episode. <laughs> well, we can all look forward to that. <laughs> should we wrap it up then? Should we call it a day? I think I think we've had enough. All right. In more ways than one. I agree with that. All right, folks. Well, thank you for joining us on this uh, free jazz ride through the happenings of the Ottawa Senators, as per usual. And we'll be back in a couple weeks to discuss who knows what. Hopefully more wins. I like discussing wins. I love discussing wins. Uh, and I'm hoping that uh, even though we're taping this on Saturday, that the uh, Senators will, you know, uh, on a back-to-back -back, still do their best against the Blue Jackets on Sunday night. And ideally, uh, even if they lose in overtime, that they'll uh, put up, I don't know, let's say six goals and uh, make a game of it. Exactly. You know, if you're going to have to watch a loss and God forbid a loss in overtime, like you at least want to get your, the money's worth out of it. Exactly. You, know, you, you want listen to that horn a few times. Yeah, I would say as long as there's, let's say, 13 goals in that game, people will go home. Those tickets will be worth the money. They paid for the whole seat. They only used the edge, but they don't feel like they got shortchanged. There you go. I mean, you can only use the edge of your seat, but you're still going to get that whole beer dumped on you. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, talk to you soon and stay safe out there. See you next time. For a couple of fowlers who both still live with their moms Breaking the town's local hockey team down with some microphones on No other podcast was finer Or was more of a hit with the big rig diners We never thought they'd make it past episode 5 Whoa, somehow these dudes named Shed and Parisi are alive Whoa, whoa, whoa there's some whoa, washed whoa, overtime heroes of that year, like uh, Corey Conacher, overtime hero, yep. <laughs> Call Greening, overtime signing hero. that contract on <laughs> the strike. That Corey Conacher overtime goal might be my favorite Sens overtime goal of all time because he did the leap after he scored it, 
Uh, got a little off. bit of skin. Oh yeah, the and he's got like the full the hockey gut. gut, the gut, <laughs> you know. And like, I get that he's like five six. I get that he has anterior pelvic tilt. He's like he's a gonna bowling sh- ball with he, legs. He's gonna show a gut regardless. <laughs> but I was just kind of like, oh, aren't you like a cute little dude who just crawled out of the swamp to score a goal <laughs> against the Habs? You blessed little man. <laughs> You hairy-footed little man. <laughs> How's Ben Bishop doing? <laughs> <laughs> He's still tall. As worth it. Enough. Worth it. 